This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, number 126 for Wednesday, October 23rd, 2013. It sure is, Jason. <laughs> it sure is. Good That's intro, it. by the I way. I got nothing else. You got nothing else? I got nothing else. It's it's kind of like opposite day here. It is. <laughs> we thought we'd mix it up a little bit. Why not? It is our second podcast this week. It is. And we are going to be doing all listener feedback all the time. Uh, if you listened to our main show earlier in the week already, you will know, or you would have been expecting this one to come, and you will have heard our reasons for doing it. And mainly that's just because... 24 hours after the episode airs, The Walking Dead, there's not a lot of time for people to collect their thoughts and send them in to us. So we decided that we'll try a second show uh, every week for a while to fit in a little bit more of those comments and have a little bit more discussion going on throughout the week. I think it's a great idea, personally. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's more, more podcasting time, and that's only a good thing, right? That's correct. That is correct. Okay, so I think this one, being our first one, will be a tiny bit longer than future feedback shows. You think so? Just a little bit, I think. I mean, unless people start sending in vast amounts more of feedback, which could happen, I don't know. Uh, But I think this one might be a touch longer only because we're going to do a few from season four, episode one to get caught up and then move into feedback from episode uh, two. Whereas in future weeks, we'll just focus on the most recent Walking Dead episode, so there'll be maybe a touch less. Uh, okay. So that that's, sounds that's, perfectly reasonable. That is the idea here. The other thing is, um, well, a couple things. Some of these, some of the emails we read might be a little bit longer than usual because people do like to send in long, you know, uh, novels of their, of their thoughts. And I, I'm not going to go crazy and read things for hours, but why not fit some of the longer stuff on here? And uh, so some of those might be a bit longer, which we'll see how it goes. And finally, I think some of the messages or the calls will require our commentary or response, and some might not. They might just be interesting points to throw out there, and we'll move right along. So it's all up in the air. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Right? You never know. So, uh, Jason, let's just dive right in, shall we? All right. Yep. Listener Feedback. Still going to play those or that well, thing. Well, yeah. You know, you got to make sure you know when it starts, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. So the first thing, I'll go first. Um, the first thing here is a phone call from Francisco in San Diego. Hey, guys. This is Francisco from San Diego. And I was just calling, um, listening to your current episode, number, I believe it's 124. Um, and you guys brought up that the council was made up of. Glenn, Maggie, Herschel, Daryl, Carol, and others. Um, And then you mentioned during story time that Carl walks in on Carol giving them a lesson about knives and then telling Carl, don't tell your father. Now, if she is part of a council as well as the other members, wouldn't they have power to override and decide as a council whether or not they want to train their children as knowing what the proper way to hold a gun or hold a knife, kill any kind of walker is. I was just thinking 
they would have more power over Rick as of this time, especially if they're having a council. And the council wanted Rick to go with the gun on his run checking the snares. Just curious, um, what do you guys think about that? Anyways, you guys have an awesome show. It's great to be back. Have much, much fun. Can't wait for the rest of the season. Thank you, Francisco. So the idea here is if there's a council, why not, and I think this is a really good point, why not defer all important decisions to the council and make decisions as a group? Why are they so afraid, or why is Carol so afraid of what Rick is going to think? Well, I, I think Francisco makes a good point as well. And I'm only thinking that uh, Rick has uh, a lot of sway over the group as a whole. Uh, you know, if, if Rick wanted to throw his political weight around, I think that the council would be... Uh, uh, swept away, uh, very much like the Emperor in uh, Star Wars, would sw- swept away the uh, the old Republic. Really? So you think that? Well, I mean, we we've seen Episode Two now, so we kind of know um, what Rick was doing, just sort of taking a break, being a farmer, and we know now that he's come back to uh, a little bit more of the old Rick. But still, I think it's an interesting point to raise on what are the actual powers uh, of of this council that that is taking care of everyone? Do they just talk about important issues and make low-level decisions or do they really or, or is their goal really to lead and guide the group and d- determine things uh, you know discuss things from different points of view and determine the best course to take and if the council decides that teaching kids how to hold knives or shoot guns is a good idea you would think that that would be the route they would go whether Rick agrees with it or not. Do we, do we know that the, the council hasn't sanctioned the uh, the knife uh, teachings? Well, no, we don't know that for sure. But even if they have, it's clearly a secret or it clearly was a secret from Rick. Yeah. And, and the point is, if, if the council's making decisions, they should be transparent and they should be, everyone should be um, able to throw in their two cents. But, um, you know, whether they agree or not, it's it's a group decision. Right. Well, uh, well, maybe the council was formed in the power vacuum when Rick kind of gave up his gun and went to form and uh, went to farming. And, and you know, in the absence of him or any kind of leadership whatsoever, they formed a council in order to make decisions and and such. And maybe they're uh, they really don't feel secure in their decisions if they do something that Rick would absolutely disagree with, because then Rick might be, uh, you know, might have incentive to come back and start throwing his will around. And generally, people would follow that, and the council's power would just kind of crumble in that case. Yeah, but in that case, it's not—I mean, what's the point of this council if one guy who they're all afraid of is going to come back and take them all down? So, Well, maybe it's just the the interim thing. You know, if Rick did give up, you know, they have to come up with something, and nobody wanted to lead uh, individually, so they formed a council to to lead in his absence. And they're worried about— you know, uh, him coming back and just sweeping away, you know, the, what uh, what they've built. And with that in mind, I mean, is that what's going to happen now? Now that he is sort of coming back, will the council be dissolved and Rick steps up into power again? It seems like, to me, it seems like that would be a step back because yeah. you think some form of government or some form of council body making decisions is likely a good thing. Um you know, I don't know. We'll see. I think he will come back and uh, take on leadership of the group at some point. I don't think it's going to happen soon. It may not happen uh, until after the midseason hiatus, but I think it is going to happen this season. Right. 
Well, we'll see. I mean, especially if we end up leaving the prison or something like that. It's difficult to have council meetings without a library and a table to sit around. So That's true. That's true. <laughs> you need that. All right, our next call here comes from Brent in Arkansas. Hey, this is Brent from Arkansas. Just one comment on uh, Daryl's you know, job, what he does for a living. He doesn't really strike me as the career guy to where he had one job for many, many years, more than likely. He was your odd job kind of guy, you know, fix this, repair that, wash this, clean that. So that's probably why nobody can really pin it down because it wasn't really just one exact thing for years at a time, probably even months at a time. So that's my two cents. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. I don't know. I don't know if we're giving Daryl enough credit here. He could have held a regular job for all we know. He could have. I'm going to go with insurance investigator. Oh, yeah. Not bad. Yeah, he drives around in a van and he watches people who uh, who are suspected of insurance fraud. <laughs> um, I like it. It's sort of... You know, it's 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 not like he's sitting at a desk all day, which I can't really see. No. You know, he he's not bagging groceries at the local uh, supermarket. I, I can't really see that either. Um, but you know, driving around, keeping an eye on keeping an eye on people, watching what they do, reporting back. Bit of a, you know, not all that different from a detective, actually. That could be. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we got an email from Thomas in Norway. Uh, the gun Rick finds uh, could be from a huge gunfight late in season three. A lot of people got shot in the field uh, inside the prison, and one of them could have easily dropped that gun uh, that got buried in the dirt. Yeah, very, uh, very good very point. True. Big gunfight at the end of the season. All kinds of people were killed. Lots of stuff is going on. Uh, a lot of, well, actually, a lot of zombies were killed who weren't holding guns, but there were a lot of weapons around, and yeah, I mean drop a gun, gets buried in some dirt when it's raining. I mean, makes makes perfect sense to me. Uh, I'm going to say that that is a true fact, <laughs> and uh, we put it into continuity. Continuity, there you go. Yeah. This email comes from Tyler in the UK regarding Rick's three questions. Tyler says, I get the feeling that the premiere referenced season three's sixth episode, Hounded, in a small way. I'm sure you remember that Rick imagined getting multiple phone calls throughout the episode from fellow survivors who had died. The second phone call was received. he received was from Jim, who asked Rick if he's killed anyone, how many people has he killed, and why. Mm. It seems like Rick's trip to Crazy Town influenced his own three questions as he practically uses the same ones. So I didn't remember that at the time, but if those were the three things that Jim asked him on the phone, they're very similar, obviously. Yeah. And the other thing is, this makes me wonder if these three questions are just Rick's or if this, again, is a council decision. Like, have they decided anybody that comes in gets these three questions or is this just all in Rick's mind and this is what he wants to ask everybody? That's a very good question. He, he posed it as, uh, you know, we ask these three questions of, uh, of people before they join our group. But, uh, you know, we only have his opinion on that. Yeah, it hasn't been mentioned anywhere else in the show yet, has it? Yeah. It's just him. So who knows? I mean, it's it's not a terrible idea. The thing I like about the three questions is that the answers that they get are almost less important than the way the person answers. Yep. You know what I mean? It's it's sort of about 
their attitude towards what they have done in regards to killing walkers and killing people more so than I've killed 45 walkers and 27 people, you know? Right. Or That's, three walkers and 17 people. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's... it's Killing is necessary. Everybody knows that in this world to survive, but it's how you feel about it that's more important and how you react to being asked about it and how you talk about it, I think. So I think the questions are a good idea. Whether, you know, anybody at Rick is asking these questions, I don't really know. Right. So we have an email from Chris in the UK. I was jarred by some of the obvious exposition in dialogue, in particular Herschel's listing of all the council members by name. Presumably Rick already knows who they are uh, and the stuff about Bob's past. I just felt too much, uh, it just felt too much like me, uh, like they were talking to us, the audience, not the characters. That said, this is always hard and there, are, there were other moments when they did really, did really well. Love the whole three questions bit. Yeah, so... It, that is a good point. I mean, why would Herschel have to list off who's on the council? Rick knows who's on the council. Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, we as the audience need to know that as well. And again, they should have maybe showed us the council instead of told us who they were. Yeah. But I can I can get past it. Yeah, and, and normally this kind of thing does bug me in a television show when I see that. And, and uh, I will usually comment to whoever's sitting with me that uh, I'll point that kind of stuff out, and it usually drives me nuts. But I, I didn't pick up on it here. But yes, it is happening here. It can be a little on the nose, right? They they don't yeah. need to just punch us in the face with that. It's like he, he could have just said the council has decided this, and then we sit around for a week wondering, ooh, what's this new council? Who are they? Because the very next episode— we clearly find out who they are, so... That's true. Not a big deal. Nope. All right, moving on to Season 4, Episode 2. This comes from Mia in Stockholm. Now, a lot of people, a lot of people wrote in about uh, this particular um, this particular thing here, but I chose Mia's email, and it has to do with using the pigs to lure the zombies away. She says, you both seemed very concerned about the pigs in this episode, and I think you might have missed something. Tell me if I'm way off, but when Dr. S, Rick, Herschel, and Daryl discovered that it's a sickness, Daryl comments that he saw dead sleepwalker guy eating barbecue. Then Rick talks about his sick pig and the boar in the forest, and Herschel says, pigs and birds, that's how these things have spread in the past. We need to do something about those hogs. I at least thought that was why he chose to sacrifice all the pigs later. Even though he did not want to, he knew they had to do something. I guess that's also why he burned the pen after as well. So, yeah, uh, a lot yeah. of people pointed out the fact that they had to get rid of these pigs anyways, so why not kill two birds with one stone and sacrifice the pigs to lure the zombies off the fence? Makes total sense. It does make sense. And I guess in retrospect, my brain kind of sort of had... Uh, had acknowledged that, but I was thinking, you know, don't kill a pig until it is definitely sick. Yeah, but if they're still, if they have something in them, I mean, do you want to risk eating that pig? Well, not if it gets sick, but you leave it alone and see if it gets sick. I suppose, but maybe, I mean, maybe they are sick, but maybe you just don't know yet. I mean, I guess you could just wait. You're right. I, I suppose that's true, but, you know. Yeah, and I could see this, that, uh, you know, you got sick, uh, potentially sick pigs that are going to make other people sick, even if you barbecue them, then uh, you got to get rid of the pigs. And if you got to get rid of the pigs, you might as well use them for some good. You know, how much, um, to, to purify water, you boil it. 
and you know you cook so, so how long do you have to boil a pig for it to be safe <laughs> it's basically my question i was going to say to 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 make chicken safe to eat you cook it and so even if pigs had the flu would they have been safe to eat after they were barbecued uh, that sounds like an excellent question for someone who knows the answer. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I cook chicken and I cook pork until uh, they're at a prescribed temperature, usually above, and uh, I don't eat it unless it's above those, those temperatures. Right. And that's the whole idea. You make the you cook the meat and make it safe to eat. Yeah. I, I assume, well, I mean, that works with healthy animals, but if the animal is, you know, got the flu or got something, does cooking it kill that? It probably depends on the virus, to be honest. Yeah, and I would think a flu-like thing that it would kill the virus, and I think that the, you know, seeing that guy eating barbecue uh, is just anecdotal, right? There's no reason to necessarily believe that he got sick because he ate a cooked pig. It's just, uh, that's what Daryl saw. Right. And I, part of me just says, why take the risk? You know, you need to get, you need to lure the zombies, and this is a good way to do it. And if there's a chance the pigs are sick, you know, keeping them alive too might just mean you infect more people as well. Before you, even if eating them would have been safe, before you cook them and eat them, you you might they might transfer it onto the onto Rick or anyone who's who comes in contact with the pigs. Yep. And, so. and yeah, I, I agree. We hadn't, I guess, in our conversation, we hadn't considered that aspect of why Rick was killing the pigs. And uh, Mia's probably right. Probably. Whose turn is it? Mine or yours? All right. It's mine. We got uh, Leah from the internet, or Lee uh, from the internet. Uh, when Rick leads the walkers away from the fence by hamstringing the piglets and throwing them out the back of the truck, I'm putting this uh, way on top uh, top three of the Walking Dead moments. I love the cinematic way in which it was filmed and how the scene added to, to the depth of Rick's character. Uh, this scene combined with the scenes uh, where Rick finds a gun buried in the garden really show where Rick's head is head is at. At the start of the season four, he's des- desperately trying to bury the violence in his past while focusing on building a life, uh, building a life on re- uh, nurturing a farm. But before long, he is forced to violently destroy it for the sake of survival. I have a feeling that it won't be long before we see Sheriff Rick back in town. I have to say I'm really enjoying the added level of symbolism in this season. Well, I think Sheriff Rick is well on his way to coming back. Oh, yeah, Sheriff Sheriff Rick has... Uh, w- w- so he went to Crazy Town for a little while. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now he's in Farmer Town? Right. He's in, I uh, guess so, or, yeah. Yeah, he's in Farmer Town, so he's coming back from Farmer Town to become Sheriff Rick again. So Crazy Town to Farmer Town to Sheriff Town. In fact, he started in Sheriff Town, and now he's yeah. making full circle. Well, he started in Coma Town. Comaville. <laughs> Comaville, I he guess. started in Comaville, then he went to Sheriff Town. <laughs> right. Uh, then, he, then he went to the farm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Cra- then Crazy Town. Crazy farm, Town, farm, Farmville. Farmville. <laughs> and then back to Sheriff Town. Yeah. Now, uh, now we owe Farmville a uh, royalty payment. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that they used that uh, that we can find the use of the word Farmville long before that uh, uh, long before that game. All right, hopefully hopefully that's true. This email comes from Jana or Jana uh, Jana. I'm not sure in Canada. That's all she 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 gave us. She says one thing to consider is no virus has a 100% kill rate, so we might see some major characters get sick but not die from this virus. Even Ebola is limited on the number of infected versus die. 
might add even more to the suspense. My guess is Daryl throwing all the Daryl fanatics into a tizzy. Oh my. So uh, Daryl's the one licking fingers and, you know, catching boars and stuff. If he gets sick, ooh, people are going to be worried that he's going he's gonna to croak. Uh, I think Jenna is absolutely correct. I think uh, that Daryl is going to get sick and yet recover. That's a very good point. It is, yeah. I mean, not everyone dies from the flu. Well, mo- these days, most people don't. And yeah. um, now this kills people so fast, though. That's the thing. Patrick seemed okay, and then like 12 hours later, he was zombie Patrick. So if Daryl gets sick... Patrick was weak. He, yeah, he was probably just weak. He Patrick's was, weak. Daryl is strong. He's strong and important to the plot. That's right. He's got the plot device shield. <laughs> he sure does. <laughs> Doesn't mean you can't get sick. It just means you probably won't get offed by a flu. That's right. All right. So uh, that was you. Okay. So Craig from Scotland. Uh, Bob Stuckey and Dr. S. These two are my main suspects for burying, uh, of Karen and da- burning of Karen and David. I come to this conclusion due to the fact they both have medical backgrounds. One of them would have been uh, caring for the sick, uh, one would assume. I also think whoever is responsible for the burnings is the one feeding the zombies at the fence. This is, uh, if it's not either Bob or Dr. S, then I reckon uh, it will be someone we haven't introduced yet. Uh, but I put my bu- money on uh, Stooky being spooky. Stooky, spooky. <laughs> on Stooky being spooky. <laughs> it's Spooky Stooky. That's who this it's is. Spooky Stooky at the fence feeding zombies. Right. That's what he's doing. You just won the game of Clue. <laughs> um, Bob Stooky, we got a we got a number of uh, emails and such about you know who's burning the bodies, who's feeding the rats, and we'll get a few more here as we go on. Um, but uh, Bob and Doctor S, to be quite honest, are a couple of people I hadn't really considered, and maybe that's because Bob is barely a character yet. He's only been around for a couple episodes. We don't know much about him. Maybe that's a reason to suspect him. I don't know, but it didn't really cons- it didn't come to me that maybe it would be him. And the same for the same reasons, Doctor S, like he's had five lines in one scene, so. I guess they could throw one of these new characters in and have him be, uh, you know, a murdering, rat-feeding saboteur, but I don't really know. We will find out. Uh, I would put uh, Stooky or Dr. S as the uh, body-burning people, but I still think it's Carl at the fence. Yeah. I think there are two separate uh, motivations behind that, and uh, I think Carl wanting to instigate something in order to do what he feels needs to be done is one thing. And I think burning the bodies or burning the living, depending on uh, uh, what happened, uh, is, is very much a uh, a medical uh, way to sterilize uh, the sickness from spreading. So that's definitely a doctor thing right there, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. what I'm thinking. Jason, introduce this next call. All right, so we got, uh, hey, Dave, friend of the show. That's him. Here he goes. Hi, guys. This is Dave. I just called you. But now I'm calling you back because I'm making it two separate phone calls so you don't have to edit this out. See how nice I am? Anyway, uh, my other points that I wanted to bring up was the possibility that perhaps Karen and David um, off themselves and sacrifice themselves. I know that it is unlikely, but I just want to introduce that as a possibility for people to consider. Um, the other thing that was bugging me was why the hell would Rick use a gas can to burn wood and hay? It makes no sense to me whatsoever. Um, 
until I started thinking that was it the same gas can that we saw by the burned bodies of Karen and David. So when he's burning the pig pen, what we're not supposed to be looking at is the actual burning of the pig pen, but what he's using. I Perhaps that might uh, provide a clue as to who burned the bodies of Karen and David. Uh, I just want to bring that up as a topic of conversation. I hope you guys are well. Congratulations on your 12,000 likes on your Facebook page, and I wish you all the best in the future, and I'll probably talk to you tomorrow. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we hit 12,000 likes on Facebook earlier today. This morning I got up, checked the page, and it was at 11,999. So I posted and said, hey, who's going to be lucky number 12,000? And, uh, you know, one minute later, it had gone down to 11,998. Oh, that'll <laughs> thought, teach you. Oh, yeah, exactly. But then it, it went up again, and now we're 12,001, I think. So that'll te- Don't tease the internet. Oh, no, do not tease the internet. The internet yeah. will bite back, that's for sure. Um, okay, so Dave makes a couple of really, really, really great points here. Two things I had not thought of at all. First of all, Karen and David potentially killing themselves what if they both knew they were infected couldn't do anything about it didn't want to infect anyone else and went outside doused themselves in gasoline and lit a match the converging drag marks kind of to me point away from that theory there are bloody drag marks from this from karen's cell now what if david dragged her out and burnt both of them no, because it meant the if you if you go back and watch you uh, the the her drag marks meet up with another set of drag marks to when the, near the door going outside. Okay, so, so they were both dragged. So a third individual, based on that, those marks, dragged them out separately. Yeah, and the drag marks looked a lot uh, looked very similar to me. So it wasn't a matter of two different people kind of crawling out of their cells and meeting up at the door going, hey, you, uh, you want to burn each other? <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's go outside and uh, immolate ourselves. Or right. That, or you just immolate? Uh, no, I believe you, Im- well, I don't can, know, immolate yourself. you immolate yourself. someone else? Um, that's a good question. Anyway, because they're, oh, they're self-immolation. So, yeah, okay. Set themselves on fire. That works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I think I think you have a good rebuttal there that you know they were dragged from different places, most likely by a third person, and uh, it doesn't seem to indicate anywhere that they they lit themselves on fire. You know, had those drag marks not been there, that possibility totally would have been open. But I guess we'll find out in the next episode. And the next question is, uh, if you're going to light yourself on fire, do you lie down first? Um. Well, I don't think it matters. If you're on fire and you don't get off, you know, if you don't get not on fire very quickly, you're going to end up lying down. Not necessarily. Because when... Uh, <laughs> you're going to you're gonna burn up and remain standing? <laughs> well, not standing, but you'll... Uh, like when uh, tendons and muscles and nerves and stuff, when they all burn, you tend to clench. And uh, I, I think that whatever position you're in when you... When you you know, become fully engulfed and start to get severe third-degree burns, uh, you're pretty much in that position, if not curled up even tighter. So that lying down, to me, I guess now that I think back on this, and this actually goes against uh, what I was thinking earlier, but uh, to me, makes me think that they were dead already. 
Right. Dead already, dragged out, and burned. Yeah. But then again, I am not in any way an expert of burn victims, so I, uh, I'm, it's just pure conjecture. All right. Well, I'm pretty sure we'll find out next episode. Well, we'll find out more. I'm not totally convinced we're going to find out who did it next episode, but we certainly have some repercussions from it right. based on the uh, on the tease for, for next week. Now, Rick's starting the fire. Uh, first of all, he's a, he's a, he's a sheriff and not a farmer and probably doesn't know how to start a fire even with a big pile of wood and a bunch of hay. Uh, so maybe he did need gas? <laughs> no. I, I'm sorry. Nobody. Anybody knows yeah, how to know. start a fire with a bunch of wooden fence and uh, or pallets or whatever those were and hay. Hay burns like a mofo, if you, I think. It burns like dried hay. <laughs> it burns, that's, yeah, which is really, really well. Um, yeah, so that is a very good point. Uh, only somebody, com- a complete idiot, would uh, start a fire with a gas can uh, when you're lighting combustible materials. Or, or certainly combustible materials that are so combustible. Now, so if the gas can was there to be pointed out to us, and then we see the gas can later on, does that mean that this gas can follows a path somehow with the people that were around it, Rick and Carl? Does that mean that maybe Carl is the body burner? That could be. I might have to go with Trevor from Grand Theft Auto because uh, he's been known <laughs> to use a gas can to start a fire. <laughs> Sorry, been, spoiler alert. Still been playing that game a lot, have you? Yeah. So if Trevor was on the uh, was on this uh, on this show, he would be the one that would have started the fire. Yes. Well, you're absolutely right, but he's not. So maybe it's Carl. Maybe Carl is is saw his dad using gas and is like, I'm going to sneak that gas can now. Is it plausible that Carl dragged two full-grown adults out like that? Maybe, but I'm pretty sure dragging a body is pretty hard for a 12-year-old or whatever he is. You know? I, I mean... I have, I have two problems. Okay. Uh, one... <laughs> Only? Well, one's not really a problem, but I'm just... I'm assuming that if uh, people's heads are soft, that people are light. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, except, I think maybe the... Um, the Earth's gravity is a little bit less in the it, Walking Dead universe yeah, or something? There's some weird uh, physics things going on here. Right. Uh, so saying that, Carl could have dragged the bodies, but now that I think about it, if they were dead already, wouldn't they be zombies already? So they might probably... That just goes against what I had uh, changed my mind to, so I'm kind of flopping back and forth here. You are flip-flopping. If they died... I mean, we know that some people turn quicker than others, we don't really know what that's based on, but, you know, I think we've speculated at one time that if someone is really sick or run down in some way, they will turn faster. And if these people are dying from the flu, you'd think they'd turn almost immediately. Right. And if you were, I don't, I don't care who it is, but if you were anybody in this encampment and you encountered a dead body, would you take the time to drag it outside? I mean, the first thing you do is you stab it in the head and yeah, then, you then would, go about your day. Right. But then why bother burning it? Right. So, does this make any sense at all? No, no not, not really. to me. Not really. <laughs> not yet. Hopefully it will in the future. Uh, but this next email comes from Paul on the internet. His email was pretty long, so I chose, uh, I chose one of his points about the rat feeder. He says, Lizzie is the best candidate of the known slash revealed characters, and I think Carl is just about the last, except for maybe Daryl and Rick. While he was pretty reckless when Lori was still coddling him, Carl has demonstrated that he is very capable and that survival is more important than feelings. Feeding walkers would be improbably out of character for him to do. 
Lizzie, on the other hand, has proven herself nuts, or at least messed up, and in the first episode proved that she thinks of the walkers as just different people to be played with and taken care of. The feeder could have been the lich, but I digress. (laughs) I hadn't considered the lich. No, so it may be the lich, unlikely, uh, and I think Lizzie is a pretty good candidate. Yeah. I just think Carl is more of a candidate than Paul is admitting here. I think right. I think there is definitely motivation for Carl to do this, especially as you said on the last podcast about him wanting to create an incident so that he can manipulate the situation to get his gun back and get more of a less farming role. Right. Uh, and we'll find out. And a, and a lich would have been feeding the zombies other humans. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably not the lich. The lich probably is the lich. Doing, off doing something with its team of dinosaurs right now. That, that's correct. All right. All right. So we have uh, Tom from Delaware. Chris's idea about Lizzie feeding the rats to Nick makes a lot of sense. But it seems to me that the rat bodies were left uh, at the fence so the walkers will all attack on a single point, feeding the rat head to the walker and leave the body just out of reach so they keep trying to get at it. Uh, this implies more sinister motives than just drawing the walkers. Very That's good. True. It, That's a good good point. It does. Um, instead of just feeding the walkers for either, as a child, if Lizzie's doing it, you know, if she's if she's just doing it because she thinks it's the right thing to do, or she doesn't really understand, leaving if if indeed the rats are being left there to focus them at a single point to push that fence down, that's far more sinister than. Uh, than than just feeding them because you think they should be fed. That's true. You know, so you're true. You're actually trying to dem- or uh, weaken the fence in that point. So mm-hmm. interesting. Otto from the internet writes. <clears throat> this is a longer one, so get ready, everybody. I'm ready. I had to stop your podcast at the point where you are speculating on the identity of the person or persons responsible for feeding the rats to the walkers and for the burning of the bodies. I think you are overlooking the long story, namely the governor. These acts could both be considered acts of sabotage by an insider trying to destabilize the prison community. One of the plot developments that I felt was glossed over was the introduction of Bob Stuckey. They just sort of mentioned that he showed up last week, and then we get the scene where he's saying he wants to be useful. It's exactly what you'd expect from a spy. He's a former army medic, right? Wouldn't he have the knowledge and mindset to introduce sickness through the use of rats? Also, isn't burning bodies a little medical and a little military? Alcoholism, as indicated in the first episode, is the kind of character flaw that might have been manipulated by the governor. I vote Bob Stuckey as the sleeper long story. Oh, good point, Otto. I do like the alcoholism thing, right? If Bob is a raging alcoholic or even a... uh, part-time alcoholic he might be easily manipulated by someone you know who controls the booze and that could be the governor right isn't what's a lesser version of a raging alcoholic would be just kind of a uh, a mumbling alcoholic well the, i you know my brain couldn't come up with anything but part-time when it was coming out of my mouth so no but it's an interesting <laughs> point like what's uh what's you know a functional alcoholic yes that is a common and, you know I've, common I've known phrase. many functional alcoholics sure so if he's a, you know, he may not even be raging if he's just purely f- functional. But or, to manipulate or, somebody who is an alcoholic by, uh, you know, the the withholding of alcohol or providing of alcohol, doesn't that kind of all go away when uh, alcohol is readily available at any store 
that you can just stumble across? Yeah, it is. You're, you're totally right. Once it, it might work in getting Bob to the prison with the intention of doing something. But once he's there, he no longer has his supply of alcohol from the governor unless he's yeah. given him some to take in with him. But that doesn't really, that's not going to last him very long. And you're right. The big stop uh, was full of booze. So, and he was thinking about it too, which means he's at least an attempting uh, recovering alcoholic. Right. right. He's trying to reform himself. He's trying to stay away from the alcohol because uh, he was obviously trying to uh, make that decision in the big stop. Yeah, obviously. And and the other thing here is that I don't believe, you know, in my in my heart that the governor has anything to do with anything that's going on in the prison right now. Right. You know, the governor will come back to this show. I'm sure there will be some sort of showdown between him and Michonne. Maybe Michonne will kill him. Maybe he'll kill a bunch of other people first. I have no idea what's going to happen. I just know that something is going to happen. But I don't think that they are introducing some sneaky, underhanded storyline involving the governor uh, right now, sort of before we'd be ready for it, you know? Right. He's going to come back in a big way. You can't really discount that this being a long game, though. And no, it could be, uh, you know, somebody trying to specifically destabilize this uh, community. Absolutely. And it could very well be Bob. Uh, you know, he's one of the new characters. He's still alive. We don't know much about him. I just don't think he's working on behalf of the governor. Right. I just don't think so. I mean, maybe I'll be proven wrong. Yeah, could be. I'm, uh, I'm open to the idea. All right. So we have uh, an email from Lynn from Norway. Is it just me or have all the characters become so much more likable now? In season one, I had some favors, but then in season two, a lot of them became insufferable. And now, suddenly, I'm so afraid to lose them all. Carl has especially grown on me. Thank you, Lynn. I think it's an interesting point. Um, I, I kind of, after I read Lynn's email here, I kind of realized I feel the same way. I don't want to see anybody die. And maybe at least any of our main characters. And maybe that's because I know that some of them will, <laughs> you know, right. that's the way this show operates. Main characters die. We lost Shane. We lost Lori. We lost Andrea uh, and so on. And I know that in season four, we're going to lose one or more than one of these main characters. And for some reason, I'm just feeling uh, closer to some of them, probably because some of them have been around for three years or four years. And uh, I don't want to lose them either. (laughs) No. The next email comes from friend of the show, Adam. He says, I thought it was interesting that Zombie Patrick spent all night eating the first dude. I would have thought he'd he'd be dead within five minutes of the first bite. I wonder if we will ever see a person come back from the dead while being eaten and the eaters lose interest and seek out another meal. So my question here is, is that actually what happens like do zombies keep eating a body and if that body reanimates do they suddenly stop eating that body or do they continue they would stop they don't eat each other no they don't but if they're already eating someone if they've if they've just killed a human and they're live flesh they don't want dead flesh and but they know this like it's they have some sort of zombie instinct and they move on uh yeah i would think so i think the virus would uh uh would help them know this or whatever it is that they have 
okay. there are there are there are viruses and stuff that animals get that do weird things. Like there's, I read a, vi- a virus the other day. I read that a virus infecting, uh, like I don't even know what kind of animal it was anymore. It could have been a cat, could have been a gerbil, could have been a, a beaver for all I know. But uh, it will cause that animal to run into a lake and drown itself because uh, the virus or uh, the parasite needs to breed in water. So that it implants the desire to run into water and drown. That is so weird. Yeah. Um, what if there's no water nearby? Well, I, I don't know. I couldn't. Well, then the, the parasite wouldn't be there because it needs water to oh. breed. I see. That makes sense. Um, anyway. Interesting. Ran, random thoughts. So viruses and, you know, parasites and diseases can do weird things in order to help with the propagation of itself. So in this case, it will stop a zombie from eating another zombie that has just woken up or recently reanimated. Right. Because that has, because, uh, yeah, that it, the virus or whatever it is has already reproduced. There's no point in continuing. Okay. Makes sense to me. All right. Want to make more zombies. Uh, you're up, I think. No, that was Lynn from Norway. That was me. No, then I did Adam, friend of the show, Adam. Now it's Paul from the internet. Oh, okay. We'll go to Paul from the internet then. It's my turn. Uh, the thing that bugs me the most is there are too many zombies on the fence and they don't care until it's too late. If you had seven people clearing the fences for 16 hours a day and they killed a walker every 15 seconds, which is a realistic uh, pace when they're all uh, all along the fence, you'd kill 26,880 <laughs> a day. There's some math here. I checked the math. It's right. Okay. Uh, if the entire state of Georgia, we're getting more math, uh, becomes zombies, they could kill them all in 369 days at that pace. Obviously, you'd need to take shifts and breaks, and this doesn't take into account count clearing cleaning clearing time. Sorry, uh, but they but they being lazy. There are uh, probably coal mines, <laughs> coal mining towns in Pennsylvania that are completely free of zombies because coal <laughs> miners know how to put in hard days. A hard day's work with a pickaxe. Uh, the new grunt work in this world is going to be clearing zombies from fences. <laughs> so we need Morgan is what we need. Well, you do, or you just need people that are willing to work 16 hours a day killing one zombie every 15 seconds. And if you have seven of them, you're going to be pretty effective at killing zombies. <laughs> That's true. I did the math. It works out. Um, and I can see Paul's point. If you didn't let them build up so much that there was too much fence pressure, you could have easily managed those bodies or those zombies around the fence, you would think. Right. So, But they're busy planting flowers and fornicating in the tower and uh, raising pigs and listening to music rather than caring about the zombies. Okay. Well, that's all true. And all those things are all important to be doing. But A, with enough people, you'd be able to take shifts, you'd think. And B, they have to make hard decisions on what's important. Clearly, growing food is important, raising pigs, um, stuff like that. But sitting around, reading books in the library instead of being out poking zombies in the head or taking time off in the fornication tower, I mean, maybe they should be out there hitting zombies for 12 hours a day in shifts. And they wouldn't have been in this... predicament to begin with or they could just automate the process and go out looking for a combine what do you call those things combines the big uh, things with the wheels in the front that chop things up into little bits yeah a big like uh, grain combine that that farmers drive along their fields yeah you drive around the prison once or twice a day with that thing and you're all set i suppose <laughs> how many zombies would it take to like 
clog or jam a combine, do you think? That's an excellent question, Chris, and let me tell you the answer to that. The answer is uh, 14 zombies uh, within a 20-foot area. If you have more than 14 zombies in a 20-foot area, then the uh, the combine will get clogged up. But if you have 13 zombies, you should be okay. Okay, that's good to know. Good to know. This next email comes from Davi on the internet. This is a good one. Okay. He says, Everyone is blaming the water and the pigs, but no one suspects those little yellow flowers. Fact. There are flowers right at Nick's feet when the kids are teasing it. Fact. There are flowers in the compost Rick feeds the pigs. Fact. Carol had flowers in her cell when she stabbed Lizzie's dad in the ear. Fact. Carol cuts a sprig of flowers and put it in Lizzie's hair. Fact. Tyrese was holding the flowers when he found Karen's body. And fact, the yellow flowers are in the photo of the prison in the opening credits in season four, but not in the opening credits of season three. Oh, my God. Writers don't just do stuff like this randomly. Plus, all uh, with all the different flowers they've got growing inside, why would they focus on the yellow flowers that only appear to be growing along the fence in walker-rotted soil? Here's my prediction. The yellow flowers are the source of the illness, but it will take them the whole season to figure it out. By then, the plants will be growing everywhere. They'll realize the land has been poisoned, and they will have to leave the prison. That's pretty scary. There's a lot of facts in there, Jason. There is a lot of facts in there. Do you agree with all of them? Uh, My first thought was uh, post hoc ergo propter hoc, uh, which is... Latin for after it, therefore, because of it, uh-huh. uh, which is a warning that just because something happens after something else doesn't mean that something else caused it. True. That was my first thought, but there's a lot of facts in here, and <laughs> the one the one fact that really gets me is uh, the yellow flowers that are in the photo of the prison in, uh, prison in the opening credits. Yeah, they don't put stuff in those in those opening credits just by accident. Yeah, that's the one fact that really got me. Mm-hmm. Even though it started off with pic- uh, pictures of a flower. We got flowers here, flowers there, flowers here, flowers there, and a picture of the flowers. <laughs> right. But they're in the opening credits, so that gives it a lot more weight. It's true. Um, and I, I won't, if it is indeed the flowers, I will not be surprised if it takes them all damn season to figure it out. <laughs> Yeah. In fact, There's this a, this must be the long con that's going on throughout this uh, show right now. <laughs> it's the damn flowers. <laughs> it's it's hard to argue with this logic. Yeah, it really is. But we it's will see. It's either completely coincidence or totally true. Yeah, it's one or the other. Yeah. All right, so last email, Phil from Kansas. Will you two please stop worrying about spoiling everything for everyone? You were driving me nuts during the summer when reviewing some of the uh, the cast's other show movies. Just say spoiler for and then spoil the shit out of it. If I cared, <laughs> uh, I would either watch them on Fast Forward pretty soon. Watch sorry, them watch or them fast, forward. fast Forward. Or Fast Forward. Uh, pretty soon you will say, uh, you're, you. Uh, what does that say? Pretty soon all you will say will be, the one thing in that movie with that one guy or something that is not seen uh, something older than six months. 
It's not making any sense. Did, Chris, help me out here. Do you want me to start over? <laughs> yeah, what the hell? I don't even know what the hell I'm Phil saying. Phil from here. Kansas writes, there Will you go. two please stop worrying about spoiling everything for everyone? You were driving me nuts during the summer when reviewing some of the other the cast's other shows and movies. Just say spoiler for and then spoil the shit out of it. If I cared, I would either watch them or fast forward. Pretty soon, all you will say will be that one thing in that one movie with that one guy. If someone has not seen something older than six months, then tough shit. Deal with it. Yes, even World War Z and Battlestar. All right. Boomer was a Cylon. <laughs> Thanks for helping me out there. I had trouble with that for some reason. I yeah, that, that's okay. That's okay. You'll get better. There's, yeah. I'm, I'm going to make you read more stuff as we as we do more of these podcasts. Right. So, practice, uh, practice, practice. Practice, practice. Um, here's the thing, Phil. And uh, I can totally see where you're coming from. Completely see your point. I wish I didn't worry about spoiling everything so much. But the fact is, I genuinely don't really want to spoil things for people. I don't want to be the guy who, you know, tells everyone about that one guy in that one movie with that one thing. And then they get all upset about it, right? Right. Because that one thing is very important in that one movie. That's right. Usually the one thing is very important, sometimes the most important thing. So I but I can take your point. And sometimes you do need to talk about stuff and not worry about holding things back. So uh, all I can say is we will try to be better and we will try to provide a spoiler warning, but then move on to whatever the topic may be and not worry about it too much. Um and when it comes to The Walking Dead, obviously we spoil the TV show entirely, but we only spoil things that we have already seen. If we do tend to, or if we do talk about something that's upcoming, like next week on The Walking Dead or whatever, which incidentally I'm thinking about throwing in at the end of this podcast, not today, but maybe in the future, um, we'll obviously have a spoiler warning and uh, you know do it do it that way. So you can turn it off if you want at the end. It's tricky, though, when it comes to other stuff, stuff not related to The Walking Dead, like Battlestar Galactica and Boomer being a Cylon. But, you know, what can you do? We'll just have to try to play it by ear and and try not to ruin anything major, um, like Darth Vader being Luke's father. (gasps) Or did you see the picture of uh, when Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher found out that fact? No, I did not. Oh, sorry. That's uh, when they found out the fact that they were twins. Spoiler alert. <laughs> now, you see, that's not doing it well, Jason. You have to say it before you drop the spoiler. Oh. <laughs> All right. So, I got to practice. Uh, we, got our, we got some practice. So anyways, I just wanted to throw that in at the end there because it does. it is something that comes up once in a while. And, you know, for every email we get like this from, uh, like this one from Phil, you know, we get at least one from somebody saying, how dare you tell me the boomer is a Cylon. Right. So, uh it's it's tough, man. It's it's tough, but we'll try to do our our best. Um, and just so everyone knows, you find out Boomer's a Cylon in like episode one or two of Battlestar two. Galactica. So yeah, don't, there's the miniseries. Don't and worry then, about it. Yeah, there's the miniseries, <laughs> and then an episode called Thirty Three, where the Cylons attack every thirty three minutes, and the one right after that is called Water, and that's where you find out. Well, how do you like that? Me just being all dismissive and saying not to worry about knowing that Boomer's a Cylon. So I'm failing <laughs> in my mission already. That's right. But what can you do? So that is our feedback show for this week. It's our first one. First time we've done two podcasts in a week, at least 
that I can remember. Jason, how do you think it went? How do you feel about this whole thing? Uh, not too bad. Not just not just okay. Not I not really good. I think this went well. well. I, I thought I did really well. I'm not sure how well you did. You did oh, okay. Okay, did okay. <laughs> that's good. I think I think my uh, maybe my reading was a little better and your commentary was a little better, and that's uh, why I'm, things I'm, balance out. No, no, I'm just writing that reading thing out of continuity. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and she's not going to take that into account. It just didn't didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, All righty, everybody. So we'll be back on Monday with the main show after season four, episode three of The Walking Dead. And uh, and then later on in the week, we'll have another one of these. So there you go. Oh, I just remembered. Oh, yeah. One unrelated but important announcement. We're going to talk about Breaking Bad? No. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. We are going to Walker Stalker Con. Yes. And I'll mention this again on the main show on Monday night. But we have decided, along with Jason and Karen from the Walking Dead cast and the other podcasters that are going down, that we are going to have a listener meetup on the Friday night. Cool. So we're all going to get together. We're going to be in a local establishment nearby the hotel. And we invite all of the listeners who are there or in the area to swing by and say hi, have a drink, and, uh, and, and just, I don't know, join the fun. It's not going to be a formal thing, so hopefully 10,000 people don't show up. I do not want all 12,000 of our Facebook followers to show up. Well, why not? Well, I sort of do, actually, but you know, the, the bar we go to may not feel the same way, although maybe no, they will. Logis logistics <laughs> aside, I think it would be great if everybody showed up. That would be very, very cool. So I think it's going to be 8.30 on the Friday night. We will announce where soon because we're still sorting out the finer details. Are we going to wear hats? How are people going to know us? We only talk on the internet. We don't like show ourselves, really. <laughs> that will be the trick. That will be the trick. Hey, you and I are out there on the internet. If someone wants to go looking, they can find us. Okay. Um, so good luck with that, everybody. And uh, that'll be Friday night in Atlanta at Walker Stalker Con. We'll figure out the location. And hopefully by hopefully we'll know that by Monday so we can announce it on Monday. But if not, we'll get it out there somehow. And uh, hopefully you can come. Okay. I'll be there. Yes, you will, as will I. All righty. Thank you, everybody. Um, for the Walking Dead feedback show number one, which is actually the Talking Dead number 126. Oh, God, don't do that. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.